I wish to promise you that a Laoshing podcast is going to be an authentic program where you will learn the truth. I will tell you things the way it is supposed to be. I will not be influenced by anybody, by any sentiments, by any system to lay things on the ground the way they are. And when I lay them down, please, your job is to verify them. Use all your might, all your intelligence, all your wisdom to verify it and see if you can use it. Because that's life. And that's what I want to bring to the table. That's why I want to invite you to be part of Allah Ashing. On this podcast, I love you to contribute. If you have any ideas you want to contribute, you have a one-minute presentation. And if I can have you send it to me on my messenger, then I can use it on the podcast. If you have any question to ask, please, one minute in a very quiet place and take time to state your question and send it to me. We want to make this program very educational so that it will benefit you. The things that you have not been able to get from society because of lies and corruption, let's straighten them here at Alaashingna. Alaashingna simply means an expanding nation. So let's expand this with wisdom. Let it be like the Google where we bring our ideas. You bring a suggestion or you bring a question and I will research on it. I may even set up a panel and we discuss it on Alaashing podcast. That way, you can get authentic information you can act upon. I don't play games. I'm not here to waste your time. I'm not here to make you money. I'm not here to waste my time. I am here so that we can learn tradition. We can learn culture. We can learn customs. We can learn spirituality. We can learn the ancient ways of life that made us peaceful. That made our world harmonious, balanced, and stable. That made our families coherent. That made our villages sustainable. We got to learn these things. I'm very serious about this. So, in Alashing the podcast, I invite you. Bring your best. I like competition. Competition without noise, without nonsense. I want intelligence. I want the exercise of wisdom. Intelligence. I want the exercise of patience. That is, tolerate people's ideas. I would love to see that we work on perspective. That is, let's see another man's perspective. But it has to be intelligently 
presented. I would love you to exercise intelligence on Allah Ashim. Because that's the only way you will grow. Think before you say. Listen to other people. Hear their perspective before you respond. When you want to respond, be thoughtful and be respectful. Because everyone's perspective does count. It does matter. No matter how foolish we think it is, it brings something onto the table. So long as somebody is contributing something, whether it's negative or positive, we will accommodate that person. But we require that you keep negativity away. Don't attack anyone. Be respectful to everyone because that's the way to be civil. We're going to make this show very interesting. There are going to be lots of things that I'll bring to the table. And I, want, I would love you to contribute your quota. Make it fun for you. If you are not used to fun, let's create some fun here. Let's make things good. Bring your intelligence. Bring your wisdom. Bring your ideas. Don't argue. Don't quarrel. Don't impose your ideas. Come to learn. To contribute. Most of the time, listen. Just listen. Because there's a lot to be thought. There's a lot you have to listen from other people. There's a lot you have to listen from other contributors that will enrich your life. So spend more time listening but contribute. When you want to contribute, contribute ideas that are well researched. There is a lot of material in this our generation today. So if you want to contribute an idea, why not carry out a research? Don't argue foolishly because it will make you look foolish. Be sure of what you are saying by carrying out a research and come to contribute or to add more onto what you've already learned and then also to share what you've learned so that others can benefit. Intelligent people do that. It is important that we love ourselves, respect ourselves, respect our neighbors, respect our members of society, be, do everything to find peace, love, joy, harmony, abundance, and breakthrough. When we have a good state of mind and our environment is peaceful, we excel, we expand, we, we, we create, we become very creative and we become very relaxed and very peaceful. So it's very important that we create that environment around us. I love you and I want to see your life better. I want you and I, I wish you and I make this program the best program that we can benefit from. Bring your best. Thank you. How to find and marry a solid black man is the topic of today at Alashingla, a universe of expansion. I am excited to share with you my knowledge about 
how to make a family. And not just any kind of family, but a very solid one. A family that will be lovely and will understand its purpose on earth and what they want to achieve. I decided to share this experience because of the questions I've had, especially from African Americans, the women, our sisters, who constantly ask, why do black men marry white women? Why do black men prevail white women over them? And when they give in everything to the black men, yet they still go for the white women. In several episodes, if you are following my teachings on African customs, traditions, religions, and ways of life, which is all embodied in Ashingna, mindfulness and meditation. You will learn a lot about the woman and the man, and also the family, and why men and women they come together, how they come together. It's an interesting journey to take because you will get to find out a lot about African customs, traditions, and way of life, how they perceive both the man, the woman, and the child. That's Trinity, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, they didn't put the woman. They say father and the son. They didn't talk about a lady. They talk about the Holy Spirit. And that's the Western way of doing things so that the woman is relegated on the background. But in the original scripture, where the Bible is copied, you will see that the woman is lifted. It's the woman who gives the fruit to the man for the son to come. It's the woman who gives the fruit to the man. And now the fruit produces a child. The woman is revered. The woman is the ultimate of life according to black culture. Without the woman, there's nothing. So, but by nature, the woman also is, has to abase herself because of the power she has. She has to come down low. She has to stoop very low to be at the same level with a man. The woman has to lose his earthly pride to be able to be at the same level with a man. I will explain what that means in African culture later on in the studies. This is very critical for the woman to know 
I will use the Bible to explain this a little bit. When Moses served God, although Moses is a fake construct from the original one, when Moses served God and became very close to God, very used to God, but he never saw his face. And one day, Moses told God, I have been with you, you call me your friend, your best friend, but I have never seen your face. And God told him, if you see my face, you will surely die. Because the energy of God is too much, it's going to consume Moses, a carnal human being. That will be the last thing that the God of creation will ever do. If God wants you to see his face, he will have to reduce himself to the most minute form, to become nothing for you to be able to see him. That's why it is said, Jesus was the son of God that became man. It means the son, the God of all things had to reduce himself and became nothing for him to be able to appear on this earth. The fact that you have to reduce yourself to fit every human being, to fit the nature of everything here before you can be at their level and live with them doesn't change the fact that you are superior. If a God reduces himself to be nothingness and come into the world where nothingness is found with people who are nothing, does he suppose to be fighting with those people? A God supposed not to fight with anybody. A woman is like that. A person who fights with others doesn't know himself. A God who knows he is a God will not fight with carnal human. And a God who says he is God and knows he is God will have to reduce himself, abase himself before men so that he can serve them. And that's what a woman does. The power of the woman is so big that she has to abase herself to the level of the man to be able to serve the man. And in only in so doing that he is, she is serving the universal ultimate because she is abasing herself to be able to serve the man that God has ordained her to come on earth and serve. If the man disrespects that, then the man has the universe to account to. Because a God has come down to serve the man and the man disrespected God. I'll give you another example. You see, I'm here. I want to serve everybody. I left everything. I left everything. My family. My everything. To be here and serve. To serve you. If you do not 
take the service and respect the service I'm providing and use it, then it's you that has a problem. And it's a very serious problem. I did my job. That's why I call you all the time to participate in what I'm providing because it's your own participation. I am doing mine. I'm not foolish teaching all what I'm doing. I am serving the purpose for which the universe sent me here to represent. The thing is, you will not see it the way I'm seeing it because you don't have the mindset I have and we are not operating at the same level. That's why you can't see it. And that's why you see, I labor every day to do what I do and to invite you to be part of it because I know what it means to you. It is very important to understand what we are doing on this earth. Don't live life haphazardly. Find out the truth. Know the truth. And that's only when freedom will step at your door because you know the truth. It's very important. We need your support. Support Alashing. So that we can provide better programs for you. My young brothers and sisters from Southern Cameroon, I want to thank you for everything that you're doing. And I also want to congratulate you for enduring a very terrible situation. I pray every day for you. I spend a lot of time alone so that I can focus on channeling prayers to all of you back home and especially our young men who are so brave. I can't imagine how much courage our young people have to have taken up responsibility that we adults were supposed to take. They are being killed, they are being harassed, they are being chased from their homes they have lost their livelihoods. They're supposed to be in schools, training, and forging for their lives. But they are in wild places. I want to address this message for especially you young people. My heroes. My children. You are my heroes. You are incredibly respected I have a place in my heart for all the youth in the southern Cameroonians who have engaged themselves in a fight that they did not create in a struggle that was created by their grandparents and their parents you have decided to change that to create a different future, better for the future generation. You have decided to dislocate what was set in place that is hurting us and is hurting you. And you saw that there is no hope for the future and you decided to take control. My effort now is to give you a way of survival.
I am not a terrorist. I am not a warmonger. I am not a rebel. I did not support the taking up of arms because I did not want to lose you. That's why I took almost my entire life to work slowly and diligently to understand the problem we have and to figure out what was the best way to solve it without you losing your life. Why I did that is because I understood that the use of arms, the use of force, once it's applied, there are a set of people that die. Those people are young people. When young people pick up guns, they will die by the gun. Because there's a principle that no one disputes that goes thus. He that lives by the sword will surely die by the sword. That's what I wanted to avoid. Not that I could not take up arms. I could not influence people to take up arms and go to war to face Bobia. I knew what he was going to do if people were not well equipped, well trained before they take such a venture. He has no he has no sorrow. He has I don't believe he has a soul. Given the fact that I have studied him from 1982 right up till today. Everything he said he will do, he has done it. He never said he would do anything good. Everything bad he said he would do, he has done it. The first act that made me to be very careful with this president was when he took over from his predecessor. When he took over from the former president, Amadwa Hijo, who raised him, who trained him, who nurtured him, who prepared him, and took him and put him in there. A couple of months later, he exiled him. And not only exiled him, he killed all his cabinet in a fake coup d'etat he plotted himself so that he can get rid of those that may be a threat to him. He had a plan that very April 1982, 1984. His plan was to totally own La Republique du Cameroon and Southern Cameroon, which was which came together so that they formed the United Republic of Cameroon. I was a young man there, a kid, in my teenagers. When I watched what happened, when I saw when he executed those Republican guards, when I saw him do that, when I traveled to Senegal, I went to, to see the grave of our former president whom he made sure that he is buried out of the country. Our president who fought for our independence. 
who gave us, who gave La Republic to Cameroon, that country is in exile with his family. That's when I knew that Bobia was up to no good. I was a kid then. Thank God I had intuition. And from then, he executed those people. He got all of them shot. Once anyone has killed a human being, that person's hands are dirty. That person will never stop killing if he wishes to kill, if that person faces a threat. You can never change the mind. You can never change the actions of anyone who has killed a human being or who has willfully orchestrated the death of a person. Those people, you have to be very careful with them if you have them in your life. They are wicked. They are evil. The first blood that is shed has tainted their brains, has splashed on their forehead, has blocked their pioneer ground. They can never stop killing. They are killing machines. They need to do a lot of work to be able to avoid that in case an event happens that threatens them. Why I share this information is because we need to understand very carefully who we trust in. People who kill. People who orchestrate the killing of others. And people who kill will kill you when there is danger. You must understand this because in our culture, we believe in that and it works. That is the way it is. A monk or man believes that once anyone has shed blood, that person will shed it again and again and again and again. That's why all these people that you see sending you to go fight, asking you to go kill people, they will kill you when you finish killing for them. If you are fighting to liberate your country and you shed blood, you have shed blood, but you are liberating your people, there is a difference. I prepare a cleansing for those who have shed blood. Our tradition has a cleansing to do for that because it's a curse whether you did it for good of a bad and you have to have cleansing and that's why I am encouraging everyone who is fighting for all Southern Cameroonians to understand that there is availability for you to cleanse yourself if only you are fighting only for liberation and not for ego I am here to help My advice for those in the war front, those fighting to liberate women, children, and old people, and to protect assets. If your intentions, if you have gone out there and you are protecting your people, 
and you are a commander or a soldier or whatever, listen to my advice very carefully. First of all, when it comes to international law, you will be prosecuted and especially now because there are cameras everywhere, there are satellites in the air that can pick images of wherever you are 10 years down the line right now. And they can track your activities very carefully and see what you did. I am saying this because most of us back in Africa are very ignorant of the kinds of technology that exists in our world today. You have no idea. I work for television, I work for radio, I work with activists, I've traveled all over the United States. I have seen incredible technology. I have owned a company that builds software. You cannot hide. The world is a world where you cannot hide right now because the world is mapped out. There are satellites in the air. There is a big eye in the air watching down on the entire activity of all human beings. This means your life can be traced, tracked, and brought to exposure in case there is a problem. So, you commanders, please, you decided to go to war to free your people. Please, at times when you are a leader, I'm speaking as a leader. When you are a leader, you are not careful. Your ego may take over. And you become, you think because you lead people, you are their God. No, you are not the God of anybody. You are not the God of anybody. You should really put that deep in your head. And that those young people that choose to listening to you is out of respect not because they have to and they choose to listen to you because of the cause and not because of you so your respect for them should be more than what they give to you if you want to earn their respect and not use the force you are trying to use respect them love them like your brothers or your kids or your friends really Deeply connect on a physical and spiritual level, which I will teach you, with your people. They are your village people in the first place. They are your blood, they are your tribes people. They, they are trying to protect you and themselves. First, love them deep. Build serious love in your people. Serious care that they really see themselves. The reason why they came together is because of love. And for the family, the blood coming together in one city, one town, one village, is a serious thing. Unless we begin to look it as our forefathers did, we cannot defend ourselves. Love. Share love. Be a leader that make your people to love each other and to die for each other. Just tell them we are in need to die together. Just that's what you tell them. Tell them you are not 
there to control them, to force them. You are there to make sure that all of you do the things that work for you guys. So, when you express high respect, love, and care for those you lead, you have protection and you increase their value and you make them work extra hard for survival, for their own survival, for your own survival, and for the cause. Respect is the most important thing you should give to those that you lead in this course. Respect them, love them, care for them, go beyond and below to make sure that they are well taken care of. The morals of people rise when they discover and realize that they are valued and that they are taken care of. Even if there is nothing, the fact that you show them that you care, that it's about them and not you, and you make sure that it's about them, that you, you sacrifice every single minute, every time for them. When you do that, you make people work for you. You make people love you. You make people die for a cause. We have a cause in our hands. For this cause to succeed, we have to value every single human being, whether it's a stranger, whether it's a villager, whether it's a mother, a father, or whoever. We place serious value on them, love them, trust them, believe in them, teach them if they don't understand. Those that go astray, we make sure that they get examples very concrete examples that are not life-threatening. Not taking away someone's life. I don't agree with anyone who takes another one's life because of mistakes. We should, we will have to develop different kinds of ways to Correct those that go away, that go astray, who betray a cause. There should be very stringent, different kinds of methods that could be used, not taking away someone's life. We have to value life. And that's why I want to train you. To protect lives that you value, you as a leader must Train those lives to be very apt, to be very agile, to be intelligent, to be highly spiritual, to be able to take care of themselves in any situation, in any circumstances. That is the way that you can increase the value of the people you love and so that they will make less mistakes and will not require death. When people are highly skilled, highly spiritual, they become very careful and they develop different kinds of techniques to suppress negative things that may cause them to cause harm. 
This means you as a leader, first of all, have to train yourself very efficiently. You have to be efficient. Your mind, your body, and your spirit has to be solid and together. You must be alert and be in a moment and understand very clearly the decisions you are making and understand the situation you are going through very clearly and understand how to make decisions when things happen, the right decisions. You have to must know this. When you put this into perspective, now you apply this in the lives of the lives that you control, that you lead. That way, everyone is working in synchronicity. Everyone is working together. It's like the entire machine is functioning the way they need to function and everything is working the way it ought to be. No one will defeat you. You will be invincible. Hey everybody, good morning. Today is Friday and I'm clear today. I just want to first of all begin by letting you know that if you have not seen me, I have not come close to you, I have not been able to talk to you, it is because I am dealing with something that is very intense. I am solving a problem where people are killed. I'm talking of dozens of people that are losing their lives and I have to deal with their families every day, every night, calling me and receiving all the negative information that I could and then absorb the information, help them to deal with that situation. When I'm working this way, most of often I stay away from people. I stay away from touching people because with this bad energy, it can be transmitted into the lives of my friends, my family, and those that I'm very close to. So my policy is if I'm working with something that is very traumatic like deaths and calamities where lots of people are dying and hurting, I don't want that to affect people that I love very much. So most often I don't talk to my people. I stay away from most of my close ones. I behave as if they are not existing and so that they are not affected. Until I finish dealing with the situation, then I can get back into my regular activity with them. So if you have not heard from me, have not been coming closer to you, the rendezvous we have, I've not met them for the past two or three weeks. I have been dealing with very intense situation back in Cameroon. Lots of people have been killed. Houses have been burned. Assets are destroyed. People are crying. People are weeping. And they are calling a lot for help. I don't sleep at night. I wish you also pray for my life too. I need prayers and pray for my people. That's why you haven't seen me out there. That's why I haven't come close to you. I am trying to protect you. I don't want the energy that I'm receiving from other people when I'm working with them to affect you. It's a principle of my work. So I need you to understand this. I am also organizing. My classes are beginning in July at the Rural Work Center at South State Street here in Ukiah. I am inviting you, please, come take my class. Registration is $60. What you will benefit in this class, I my mouth cannot explain it. I cannot explain it, but you come see for yourself. If you doubt it, come with a drop-in of $8.
just try one of my classes you'll be amazed what you receive i also want you to know that i'm organizing a fundraising to help my people who are suffering back home my people are killed and most of them are displaced more than 600,000 people have been displaced many of them are women and children they don't have medication they don't have water they don't have places to to sleep and it's just horrible some of the places are even unreachable by human rights organizations so i am begging you and inviting you to join me so that we organize a fundraising to help my people thank you very much i want to share with the black sisters my experience about the respect of women by black tradition. I hope that what I'm going to share with you, you will hold onto it tight. Use it. Understand it. Experiment with it. And see what it does for you. You see, I grew up in a royal family where both sides, my father and mother, were all from royal families. That means the new tradition. Because if you come from a royal family, you must know tradition. That's why you are royal. Royalty doesn't mean you wear regalias, you dress, and have money to throw here and there and live a flamboyant life. That's not what royalty in Africa is. Royalty in Africa is a family that understands tradition, religion, customs, and the culture of the people and hold it and rule the people according to that culture and tradition. That's the job of anyone in the royal family. Royalty is just like any other career in the strata of society in Africa because everything was distributed. Bricklayers had to come from a particular family like masons. Certain families can become masons and very good at it. You have people that were blacksmiths. Some families were very good at blacksmithing and the entire family, that's what they do. They are very good at it. Then you have people who were very good at service, all kinds of services. They held that together and they trained people, they trained families, they trained the villagers that in that line of work and that's what they did like i remember my my great grandfather on my that is a wife the husband of my grandmother the mother of my father who is a queen her husband was a carpenter, an expert carpenter, and his line was a line of carpenters. He was the one in charge of roofing the palace, and that's how he got to marry 
my grandmother because he was the best carpenter that came from a line of carpenters and they were always carpenters that would have to roof our palace every year because our palaces were roofed I think almost every year so the kingdom the king it's a line of people who lead. They are good at it. They are the custodians of tradition, of culture, of the custom of the people. And they understand it. They know it. They have come down with it from generation to generation. They, go, they know all the good and bad sides of it. Then they practice it. So, I grew up that way, knowing weddings, knowing marriages, knowing deaths, ceremonies, rituals. All of that was done on a regular basis in our home and around by my family. So it was inbred. When it comes to marriages and how women were treated, I have no doubts that I understand how it is because I knew Various kinds of marriages, like polygamy and monogamy. I saw both. I lived with people who had both. And we understand how each person lived, each family lived, and the importance of all of it. So when it comes to marriage, in a traditional way, in black African way, I understand it better than any kind of marriage can ever think of. Our problem is, we black people left our ways. We deviated from our ways of life which are natural, which were ordained from a very long time. We developed it. Our forefathers had developed everything. While the rest of the world was dancing and jumping around and having fun, our forefathers sat down and plan family life. They organize our family system from thousands of years ago and keep refining it, keep programming it because they knew the importance and they brought it down up to a couple of hundreds of years ago where everything was dismantled. A black family was solid on earth. And it's still that way, even with all the chaos, because black people are still, they have a spirit in them of family, very tight. A black man, no matter how scattered he is, he thinks of family. Always. That's a black man. It is because of our nature and what our forefathers imbibed in our DNA very deep. And so, in order to make that work, we had to respect the man and the woman and the child. The three had to be respected. They had to be programmed that all of them had to have a role. The only problem we had is, at certain points, there were some men who were unruly and they would put their hands on women. These are unruly men. And they began to multiply. And slowly as Western foreign cultures began to penetrate, everything began to dilute. 
and today is destroyed, our women are no more held in high esteem. We will use this program to dismantle that to help our women get respect. If unruly men did not abuse tradition and put their hands on women and mistreat them, here is how black tradition deals with the men and the women. A black man is always expected to protect the woman at every level. The woman has to be protected because the woman is known to be vulnerable according to black customs. Therefore, every time, anywhere, a black man sees a woman, that black man, one, has to respect the woman, doesn't have to touch the woman, doesn't have to come very close to the woman, and two, has to respect that woman. Those two things he must do all the time. There is no question why he should not do it. If things were in the right place, in the right society, Respect was very important in those days of both sexes. The man has to make sure that he provides to the woman if he is married. The man has to go out and work to supply the needs of the woman. The women were to take care of the children, stay at home, prepare food, take care of the children and the man. The woman was the one to take care of the children and make sure that the children had a good bath, good food to eat, stay healthy, sleep well at night, go to school or be prepared to go learn something every day. The man's job was to go out and bring back what to be ate, create opportunity and prepare any kind of support that was needed for the family. Both men and women had their roles that you didn't have to negotiate any rules. The way you are raised, you just see the rules manifest. You didn't have to be told what to do. You knew exactly what to do. Because when you enter the man's house as a woman, once a ma woman entered a man's house, that man didn't have to tell the woman what to do. Because it's her home. The woman figures it out. All the man did is the man prepares everything and when the woman comes, the man behaves as if the house is no longer his. It's that simple. The man had to provide everything in the house. Make sure everything that woman will need is there before the woman comes in. As the woman is coming in, the woman is coming in 
in her house. She will come in. She will look around. She will see all the things you've put there. She will use it how she wants it. She is not asking you any question. Because she knows very well that you have prepared those things for her. You have prepared them so that she will come in, settle down, and have children. She knows it. It's normal. It's natural. That's the way it works. You never married a woman without preparing everything in the home for the woman and for the woman to ask. No. It was a culture that a woman is raised in a way that she will understand that if she walked into a man's house, she is walking to be in charge in her home. So when she walks in, she will have rest, have honeymoon, have people take care of her for those couple of days or weeks. And by these days, she's monitoring and seeing what belongs to her and checking it out with her husband. And she settles. It's a home now. Forever. The man knows that. The man has to make sure she will not think again of ever thinking of her parents. Her parents have gone. It's bye-bye. She's beginning a new life. Her parents are no longer in the picture. They will only come in later. When the baby shows up. When a woman settles down, she has to begin planning. The first thing is how to take care of her husband. Me, she has learned from her mother how to take care of a man. Cook food, go to farm, take care of the home. Do whatever she can do to make sure that her husband is very well taken care of and so that the husband will make sure everything for the family is being put in place. And then all of a sudden, there is a baby popping up. It must happen in the next nine months that they see the belly of the woman pushing out so that everybody knows they've been busy. It's normal that in the next nine months after marriage, everybody knew there was busyness going on. From nine months to a year, they have to be expecting a baby. That woman has to appear in a certain way so that everyone knows the man is doing his job. The woman has to fatten up has to be brighter, has to look plumpy, very beautiful, shiny, just sparkling in the next year or two to show the world that the man is being in charge and respecting, taking care of the woman. The concept of a man protecting a woman is very interesting according to our customs. 
A woman is respected and protected because she is looked upon in a very special way. She is like a pearl, a precious pearl to the universe, to the man, to the world of a family. Without the woman, there is no family. And that's why she is the mother of the children. Who are the children? The seeds of the family. The flower of the family. Who takes care of the flowers of the family? Is the woman. So, she is the one in charge of the children. And a big child is the man, the husband. The confusion the women of today have, especially with the feminist movement, is that they misinterpret power. And that's why they got into trouble. That's why they will lose the power and they are losing everything else. Because when they discover that black culture discovers the power a woman has and applies it in sort of ways that makes the woman way more powerful without feeling physically the power but spiritually and deep there is joy of that power she wields in a way that is not threatening to the man it balances life and it balanced life our people knew how to manipulate the woman's power in a way that it's not going to destroy the woman because she may usurp it if she understood the power. Rather, the culture is built in a way that it will make the woman to be very humble and have the power, but enjoy the power but from the strength of the man. So she gives the power to the man so that she will not be destroyed. Let the man rule the power she has. And that's what happened. And that is what, that is the most intelligent thing I ever seen in the culture of black people. That the person who has the power has to relinquish the power to the person he or she wants to protect so that she can humble herself and save that person and do work with that person to create fruits on earth. Because if she wants to wield that power by herself, she will end up causing confusion. So she has to release the power to the man to have it. That's why when a woman is having intercourse with a man, she lets the man go in. She can say no. She has the power to say no. And if she says no, nobody can say yes. So she lets you, she lets you do it. She lets you have it. That's the meaning. So that both of you can create fun. She is the one letting you 
men have the power so that both of you can create fun in this life. That's why you see I enjoy women. That's why you see I like women. Because when you have an understanding of what a woman is according to our culture, you will live in paradise. She will make you tremble. Because she will give you the power in a way that you will feel very powerful. There is the saying that the British say that behind every powerful man is a woman. It's misinterpreted. They think the woman is just there just to serve the man in that way. No, it means she gives the power to the man so that the man has power. It's her power she's giving to the man. The feminist movement misinterpreted and launched women into problems. They want to take the power just like some people on earth grant to grab power the way they want to grab it. And now they don't have the men. Because the power that brings the men to them is taken away. So they're not going to have the men. And then the power is useless because they can't use it again. The men become unruly. Because they don't care. You don't give me my power. You don't give me power. I don't, you don't need me. <laughs> By nature, that's who a man is. A man wants that power if you want him to serve you. So give the power to me. Stoop down. Get low. Let me have the power. And then I serve you. <laughs> Women understand this. Get it. 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 Don't spoil the food. Don't spoil the fun. Do you see that every time you respectfully treat a man? I'm not saying you you dump yourself to a man. You respectfully treat the man. The man gives you all you want. All, all, all. When you humble yourself to a man, you get all, everything. He will go work for you. He will be a nigger. <laughs> Don't force it. The same way you want any man to be gentle with you is the same way you have to do it. That's why they said the snake. That the snake fool you. Because you are a snake. You're supposed to be a snake. You're supposed to gently give it to the man. Or what he needs. So that you can have what you want. Don't be cunning. When you woman tell a man to take it. What are you telling the man to take? That is something you are giving the man. You are giving the man the fruit of life. The fruit of joy. You are giving the man power that you have to say, Look, I have this. Take it. Enjoy it. Enjoy paradise. Now when you do that, the man receives it. When the man receives it, he feels joyful. What does he do when he feels joyful? 
it makes you have what you want. Satisfaction. We are talking logic here that the black man put in his psyche and worked with it for thousands of years to create an understanding that gives respect to both parties, but in a very intricately woven way so that one doesn't destroy the other because of the seductive nature of it all. It's about power and control. Renew it. When you take it by force, you destroy everything and create disunity. Why do women have problems then? Because they took away the power from men and they are forcing the men. The man say, the man is a baby. The man say, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not gonna no. No, no. And the man becomes unruly and jump out. Because you are not doing what he wants. You blame the man that the man beat you. That the man become rebellious. That the man don't marry you. That the man do this and that. You have your power in your hands and then you want the man. No, men don't do that. If you want to enter your home, you have to pull the key out of your pocket. Don't keep the key in your pocket and want to enter your house by force. You're not gonna you're gonna break the door. That's me. That's my description of how women behave today. You have your home to get inside, then you want to break the door by force because you want the key to stay in your pocket. No, you have to give that key into that little hole to get in to your house. The man has to have your power for you to enjoy what you want. So, what the man needs you to do is humility, is lowliness, is gentleness, is steadiness. Is being a mother, is having understanding, is being intelligent, is having wisdom, is knowing how to play the game of life. It's not a game of sex, it's a game of life. You are a mother of life. Play the game, be knowledgeable, know the rules, apply them, how they need to be applied. What you're supposed to know to do at home, you have to be doing it. Because the man needs to be doing the same. When both of you know your rules and you are putting them in place and nobody is playing games with it. No cheating. Cheating is not about sex. It's about you not playing the same game the other person is playing. It's not right in marriage. So the woman has to first of all be humble. It's a must that a woman must be humble before any man, any black woman has to be humble before any man because it's attractive. 
it's very attractive for a woman to be humble before any man. Humility comes in various ways. How you dress is one. How you put on, whether you are dressing with jigja or you are dressing clothes, how you dress. You cover your entire body efficiently, not exposing parts that will attract flies, flies meaning men on you carelessly. The way you walk, majestic, not to attract men, but majestic. You walk like a princess, an empress. I'm not saying you start exposing how you walk, no. Gentle, how you sit. You don't sit like a prostitute. You sit right. How you speak. You don't speak derogatorily. You don't use the F word. You all this shouting, talking, screaming, insulting. You don't speak when people speak. You are gentle. You are majestic. You choose your words carefully. You are humble when you speak. You are thoughtful when you speak. You are intelligent when you speak. Your actions are intelligent. They are worth it. You mean business. You are steady. You are focused. You are a woman. You know what you are doing. You are alert. You respect the rules of the game. You respect yourself. You respect your virginity. You respect your, you, your body. You know why. You should be humble and gentle and meek because it's attractive. Men love it. The man can see himself being with a woman who is that gentle, that peaceful, that loving, that caring, who would take care of her children, who would be there, who would just make the home be like a paradise, calm, quiet, steady, and moving and functional. A woman who knows left and right and knows exactly what to do without asking the man and troubling him and knowing when the man is in trouble, she will be there. A woman who is there to bring light in the life of the man. A woman who is there just to willing to do anything no matter what happens. Women were held in high esteem and high respect based on their respect. A woman who respected herself very well was highly respected, was held in high esteem, was very expensive. A woman who was highly respectful was very expensive. <laughs> the price was high. The parents would respect her. The village would respect her. Everybody would respect her. So any woman who was a virgin was priceless. And they were proud about it. And majority of them were. Until they get married. When you marry as a virgin, it's a priceless honor in your entire life. Men hardly divorced. Because the structure was made in a way that it was enticing. And things moved from level 
to level. From marriage, that is what is expected to the next and the next and the next. As you are fulfilling them, the checks are coming in. So everything was well organized and it was expected how it was going to go and it went that way. Everything was organized. The men knew what comes next. The women knew what comes next and what to do. No guesswork. No sitting down to negotiate. There was no negotiation. You just go with the flow and everything went the way it was supposed to go. Because it was a custom. In a marriage where men and women sit down to negotiate who cooks today, who cooks tomorrow, who do this, who do that, can never work. It doesn't work. In a marriage where naturally the mother has trained the daughter on what to do at home because she knows what the man will expect and teach her daughter to know that before she goes into that man's house. That's how powerful our custom was. That a woman knows what the man needs. Whether you are a young man or an old man. The woman knows what you will need in your home. And she will teach her daughter all about it until the time of marriage. The woman is coming in as an expert. Women were like women who were ready for marriage were like graduates today who graduate from college with degrees. They are coming out of their mother's kitchen as experts going into the man's house to implement. They were respectful. They were understandable. They will come into the man's house to take care of the man into adulthood. She knows what she will do. She is now coming for tests. It's test of what her mother has done. You see that if black society reorganized life that way and teach their children like the mothers we have now, and that's what I am organizing and doing, to teach our black mothers of today what the men want so that they can teach their children what men want to understand what men want by nature and to teach the men to understand what women want and what needs to be done for stability flow in a marriage and then when they are marrying they are going into that marriage as if they are they, have, they just graduated from their mother's womb with knowledge about to stay in a man's house and they are going to unleash what they know, what they have learned from childhood. That's the trend that our culture, our traditions, our customs created so that we instinctively could just know and it becomes a rule of nature that we always know a woman always knows what a man needs. The man didn't need to ask. The woman knows exactly what the man will need because the mother had passed it on. The man knows exactly how to behave to a woman and her needs 
because the father knows, has been trained to know what a woman needs. It's not guesswork where you have to go learn in a marriage. No. You don't learn that in a marriage. It's taught by mother and father in the same home until you graduate. So the man graduates with knowledge the parents have put in him on how to live with a woman. The woman does the same. And that creates balance. These are things that we have left behind. And we jump from one culture, we go into another culture, we pick up a man or a woman. They are not trained on how to know your needs. So they come into your life, they don't know your needs, and you have to be learning from each other, and there is confusion. You see what that confusion does? That confusion is what destroys relationships. So enjoy, enjoying marriage means you are trained from childhood on how to understand both parties. You understand what that person needs, that person understands what you need, and when you come into the marriage, that's what you express. Without asking too many questions, without trying to force people, no, everything you already know instinctively, what that person needs, and do your job. The person knows what the other person needs, and do their job before things fall apart. So things hardly fall apart because it was deep understanding. That's why we lost. That's why we are suffering today. Men don't like women who do not understand how relationships work. So are women. We will fix it. Now let's talk about black men not marrying black women but choosing other women from other races. It's very important to know the history of our world when we speak this type of things. First of all, even though our customs distinguish black women from other women, I believe women are women. Their behavior and the way they look is what makes the difference. A black woman has to behave a certain way to be attractive. That is a fact we cannot deny. If a black woman wants to behave like a white woman, that black woman can never be attractive. I don't care how much she does to herself. You never, you black woman, ever try to be like a white woman or like an Asian or whatever in any way, form or shape. When a black woman behaves really like an African, she looks very attractive to every man. To every man. If she dressed like a typical African, she will attract every man. Any black woman who dresses like a typical African woman, 
gets immediately boosted up. Her appearance, her status, her balance, everything wakes up immediate. Many African Americans don't know that. That they are dressing, first of all, it's a problem. Dress like an African, African, African. You will look immediately African woman. And that takes you, your value, up by a couple of percentages. It will make even the people of other races hold you in very high esteem. Secondly, your behavior, a humble African woman, I mean very humble. First of all, if you are intelligent, well-schooled in manners and everything, and then you are humble, you are reading. Is 90% immediate. You know what you are doing, but you are humble. You base yourself. You are rocking in the milieu of real black men, kings and princes, and those that have words to say. When you are educated at the same time, you are humble. You respect them because they are men. You give them their place in society. Like what I said before, you give me your powers. I give you my life. I'm not giving you power. I just feel like I'm powerful, so I give you happiness. <laughs> the man is greedy as the woman is. Don't think you are more greedy than the man or the man. No, both of you are paying for each other's satisfaction. It's just business. You need to play it like a business system. Don't try to exploit the man by holding your powers and then wanting his own power. He's not going to give it. I'm not going to give you my power. I need all of yours. Because without you, all of yours, you're not going to have the fun. I love my black sisters. Oh my God. That's why I love polygamy. Because women are fun. The world tainted women and made them look bad and made them sort their powers so they lost the fun that this world has. The men became ruthless. Because the women, the sisters, gave them their powers. And the men misinterpreted what that means. And began behaving stupid. And lost it and plunged everything into trouble. And that's why we need to fix all of this. We will talk about the men. But I'm talking about sisters. That we want your power. Especially me. I need your power. Believe me or not. I need the power you have because I want it. It's yours. I want it. Give me. If you give me that power, I will give you honor. And I'm not playing about this. 
any woman who gives me her powers, I will lift her up to places that only kings and princes go. Give me your power means what? Respect, honor, protect, care. Do it from your heart. When you do it from your heart and honor the people, the person, and respect them, it's just reciprocal. When you see an African couple, they dress and they are going out, two of them, what do you see? Just tell me the truth. When you see a Nigerian couple going out in a party, I know that those couples, they agree. How do you feel? They are in one agreement. You see them dress up like flowers. They are feeling happy, they are feeling excited, and they are kicking it. That is what men and women are supposed to be doing. It's a fun thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's not for the man trying to exploit the woman or the woman trying to exploit the man. No, that's not how it works. One has to humble the self so that the other one will deliver. You woman, you have the fruit in your hand. Give it away. To strengthen a man to give what he has to give. I love you and I decree a good thing upon your life. When a black woman dresses well and speaks well, speaks intelligently, doesn't paint herself with all these crazy paints and long fingernails and put on high shoes or dress naked and take time to protect her body and keep her body sacred, respect her body, make sure that she is not jumping here and having relationships here and there and not getting dispersing and begin behave unruly. Making sure that when she sits down, she covers her legs. When she is dressing, her dresses are constantly covering her, covering her feet, covering her arms. The reason is that a woman is voluptuous and attractive to men. So the best way to stay safe and respectful of herself is to dress well, covering those parts that will cause problems, respecting men's integrity, by not seducing them. Making sure that she acts natural, intelligent. This woman should know how to cook. A woman of value should know how to cook varieties upon varieties of dishes and should love cooking every single day. This woman should be healthy. If you want to get a real good man in your life, know how to cook. Be healthy. You are her. Many people do not want to marry women who are not healthy. So are women. 
don't want to marry men who are not healthy. So the first thing is be healthy. Understand health. Understand your body. Understand health. Understand foods. Understand why you have to cook. Understand how to grow your own food. A woman who wants a black man should know these things. It's not about you getting independence. It's about you feeding your family. Many women do things for the wrong reason. No, I have to have my garden. I have to have my food. I have to have this for myself. No. Think of your family. Your husband first. Then your children. And then yourself. Your husband should always come first before your children. You didn't hear what I said. In your marriage, if you want to save your marriage, your husband should always come first before your children. Anything you want to do, consider him first. Then your children. If you prepare food, save him first before your children. Your husband first. Everything your husband first, not your children. Your husband first. There is a reason for that. You are doing what I said. You are paying that respect. You are giving him that place. When you do that, then you give him an opportunity to love you, to protect you, to serve you, to know that even if he doesn't have anything, he has you. Because you put him first, he will see it, he will know it, he will believe it. If he's an intelligent husband, if he's raised in that culture. This culture, I'm telling you, is not American culture today. It's not African culture today. It has been washed in Africa. It's still there, but washed in some, most parts. But when you practice it across the board, you realize that marriage cannot be destroyed. The children belong to everybody. You and your husband. You never make any decision on any child without first consulting with your husband. Never, ever. It's a big challenge. It's a big mistake. And it's a mistake to think that the children are yours. Men don't like when you say the children are yours. If you are a woman, you're having children, you expect to have children with a man. Remove that thing from your head that the children are yours. They are not. Don't make a mistake again. That mistake will hurt your marriage. And that's why the feminist movement, they have put out there to destroy marriages, to make women take children and begin to run away with them, thinking that the children belong to them. No, the children don't belong to you. The children don't belong to you. You gave the children to the man. The children came out of your womb and you handed the children to the man. The children belong to the man, not you. You are there to give birth. When you give birth, they are no longer yours. When you give birth, when you bring birth children, 
they belong to the person who cannot give birth to them. That's why you give birth. When you give birth, you have given birth. You gave life to that person. That's why you married to the person. That's why you love. You fell in love so that you will give birth to the man. The man is giving his blood for you to bring forth birth for him. You don't understand. Do you understand what it means for you to carry a man's child? It's an honor. It's a lot of love. That's why you see any woman who has my children, I love them no matter what. No matter what. I will always love them and I love them deep. I'm not, I'm not lying to anybody on this earth. Why? They choose to give me my child, my seed on this earth. That will continue my line. I have to just love those women. Nobody will fool me to make a mistake. So, you women have to understand what it means to give birth. When you give birth to children, they don't belong to you anymore. They are a gift to the man you love. No matter how much problems you have with the man, they are a gift you give to them. Let it be. Hey, African-Americans. Hey, brethren and sisters. My name is Emmanuel Malo, and I want to let you know that I have you at heart, man. I feel your pain. I feel you. Believe me or not. And I want to be there for you because you influence my life. I'm from Africa, you know. I'm from the depth of Africa. And I'm from a royal family. I was raised according to our culture where there was no civilization at all. There was no slavery. My people never experienced it. We chased the white people out when they came. And we have been a kingdom for thousands of years. But when I came here, before I really realized that you guys had a serious problem, a problem of a free spirit, a problem of a free mind, a problem to own your own space. And those are the things that I never ever imagined I would see somebody who doesn't have it. You know, and this has transformed my life. But the most amazing thing is that most African Americans know the history of Africa more than Africa. The only thing is they don't know how to practice it. So you help me rediscover myself, rediscover what I have forgotten. Because when I was a kid, there was no Western civilization in Africa. So we lived very natural lives just the way it was tens of thousands of years. We improved ourselves, our culture, our tradition and everything and stabilized a kingdom and kingdoms that surrounded us, so we live in a fortress of kingdoms. We were not colonized by colonial masters when they started colonizing Africa. So we gave up our freedom to collect Western civilization, what is enslaving you right now. I presently know a lot of things that if you know, you will not have the mindset you have now. You will not be enslaved again, again, and again. You will grow up and have your freedom. 
Why? Because people are enslaved in their minds. If somebody really wants to enslave you, what they do is they change your mindset. They change how you see things. So that you see things differently. You don't see things how you're supposed to see it. You don't see the tools that are available for you to free yourself to live a beautiful life. They lock you out of those tools. That's why African Americans and even black people today have a problem. Because they are being locked out of the awareness of the tools they have. Imagine the black people, whether you are African American or from Africa, you were told for hundreds of years that one, you are nobody, two, you are not beautiful, three, you can't do anything good for yourself, four, you don't have a history, five, black people are ugly, they are, they are evil, they are wicked, six, their tradition and their culture is paganism, is bad, is not good. And singing these things to you for hundreds of years and passing it on to your forefathers right up to you changes you. And when you are changed that way, you believe it. And now you leave it in your blood, in your vein, and in all the parts of you. No matter how much freedom they will hammer on you, you will not free yourself. No matter how much they will preach to you, you will not free yourself. You will not free yourself because you don't believe deeply in you that you are free. So how do you get free? Knowing your history. When you know your history, you will see whether you are capable or not. You will see what people who lived like you, who created you, how they live their lives. And now you'll be able to see that you have no problem at all. Not even one. A black man doesn't have any problem. Your only problem is you don't know yourself. Now when you know your history, your history will teach you about your culture. How generally every black person behaves before. And what was the constitution of that behavior till today? If you know that, then you will know your traditions. What are the traditions that they practice? And why did they practice those traditions? Those traditions helped in shaping your behavior and that of the people around you in your community. And African tradition is very intense. It's very transformational. It's instant. When you know it and practice it, it, it changes you instantly. Because it's designed to change the human psychic instantly. But you need to know it and how to practice it. You need to know your customs. Your customs are the laws. The laws of black people. Those laws are not different from religion. Because those laws are principles. They are sciences. When you apply those sciences, which are the laws of black people, they manifest things. They make things flow. In your neighborhood, you, the laws, when you apply it, they are affecting another person in his home, in his family, with his children, out of his home, out of his family, into the society. That one is what brings the freedom because you are practicing it for yourself. The other person is practicing it for themselves and it's directly affecting both people. If you know this, believe me or not, one day you'll just wake up and see yourself in Africa without knowing how you got there. One day you will see yourself living in a big mansion 
or in a in a space that is wide. You don't know how you did it. The thing is, your mindset changed, and you started meeting some kinds of people doing some kinds of things that slowly led you to a total transition without you even fighting for it. And it's effortless. And you, African Americans, I need you to listen. And I need you to work hard. I need you to learn what I am teaching as Shingna, mindfulness and meditation. Not only teach it, you spread it. Spread it as hard as you can. Because once people begin to know and understand and practice it, it spreads in all the ghettos. The ghettos are not bad places to live. They are bad because of the minds that the mindset that is inside. We can purge it, we can heal it, and people will turn it into a paradise. Hey my fellow brothers and sisters, my love friends, I just want to send out Shout out greeting at you out there and decree a good thing upon your life. I want to share with you something very critical about your life and I hope you pay attention and take action. You see, if you're an adult, you certainly have had a relationship with somebody, right? I mean a penetrating relationship where somebody penetrates your life. I mean the deep, the center of your life and deposits something in your DNA. Whenever you have a sexual intercourse with someone, something is being deposited, especially you, a female. Something from that person is deposited on your DNA. It may take a lifetime for you to take it out. I mean a whole lifetime. So, if you are walking around and you have touched more than one person and have the person penetrate your life, you're carrying a lot of DNA in you. You know what that DNA does? It does confuse you. It has a lot of impact in your life, no matter how small that DNA is. Even if it's 1%. It's playing a huge role in your life. And most women who have husbands, friendly relationships that have had sexual intercourse, they carry the DNAs of men. When you carry the DNA of a person that you had sexual relationship with, you are really dealing with a very complicated issue. You will certainly need the study of my tradition and understanding of my tradition to understand what I'm telling you right now. When you carry a single percent of a DNA of somebody in your body, there is a lot already going on. If you carry more, it brings confusion in your life, you woman. I don't know whether you get you hate me for telling you something so beneficial to you because many women they don't know what to hate what to really take as a genuine humble and great advice from somebody who is honest 
and to appreciate it and work together as like most women are just damn angry with anybody who tells them the truth that can help them and it's very frustrating for someone like me who loves women so much that when I spew out truth that they can work with instead I see foolishness I see anger I see hate how could you grow when you hate truth what do you want to gain by fooling yourself with lies they tell you all the time and then you believe in it the reason why I speak the way I speak is because I want people to be free nobody says nobody wants to tell the truth to people and everybody is dancing towards the same direction and then everyone gets hurt we should stop lying to ourselves many of our women are confused because they have too many DNAs in themselves and the kind of DNAs they have they are bad DNAs when you sleep with an arm robber a drug addict a serious patient somebody who is confused who has mental problem all kinds of problems you don't know the person you go to bed with the person you have the person's liquids in your system you have a problem it's a very serious problem you are dealing with you are walking around with little bits and pieces of people's dna's in themselves not only people people whose lives are not straight it's a big problem for you that's why in my culture they said you don't prostitute you don't jump from one man to another or one woman to another it is because of what is going to hurt you from me nothing else if you want to enjoy enjoy go have fun if you want to do anything there are there are more than 8 billion humans on earth go sleep all of them enjoy them it's fun you will confuse yourself and confuse yourself and confuse yourself and confuse yourself even when you stop doing it you are already engaged for you to clean that it will take you a leg and arm and it will take you people like me who have spent a whole lifetime researching on things like this and you will not even want to pay for it so the advice i'm giving you is that stop jumping here and there and the person you have had intercourse with you got to love that person whenever you love someone you had intercourse with you are reactivating the dna in a positive way if you hate the person you are activating that dna in a very negative way even if the person is an evil person you have to love so that you can change that dna he has in you because it's a dna he or she has in you when you activate it with love you find love hormones generated in your body and create a, a positive outcome in your life if you hate you are generating hate that dna in that person that is in you is being hate is being activated and it's affecting you you see that when you hate somebody you have had intercourse with because that intercourse there was something 
that involves love that came in. You see that when you hate, you are actually dangling and shaking the DNA of that person in your body with hate. And it's not that person feeling it anymore. The person deposited it and the person is in Africa or in Asia or in Europe or in America or in China or wherever. You are the one dancing with the DNA. The person is gone and you are activating it with anger. A word for a wise is sufficient. Email I want to welcome you to Alashing Stretching Universe. I want to take this moment to share with you some really interesting information I just got from Cameroon concerning the stress, the crisis that is going on there. The war is being fought in two phases. There is the one where they use guns and there is the one where they use tradition and traditional medicine. The thing is, the one about guns is one we talk about the most. But the one where the villages use their tradition and medicine to combat the enemy is what is unknown to the public. And I got a source. Though this source will be speaking in a dialect, I will be able to translate what she is saying to you on what is going on on the ground when it comes to the military of La Republic, the victims that are going through the unleashing of tradition and spirituality and how they are being affected. We'll begin by talking to a lady who is speaking in Ngemba dialect. Ngemba dialect is one of the oldest dialects in the northwest region of Cameroon, that is Ambazonia. And she is explaining a situation that is really interesting. I want you to listen. Mbom la be more important than bom dangwe. Bere nye eti mbom la nzong dangwe. Kan dangwe be more important than bom la. Here I was explaining in a discussion with her that tradition, our customs are way more important than the churches we have today. And that there is nothing which is much more important than our customs and our tradition. And hear what she had to say. She explained that in Bafut, which is a neighboring village, it's one of my mother's village where I come from, that they have tradition. They practice tradition and they respect tradition. The king passed an order during the beginning of all what is going on that the citizens should not shoot guns first. Anyone who shoots a gun is going to die. And anyone who shoots a gun does die. Listen to what she says. <laughs> she is explaining a scenario, a scenario in Bafut that in one of the traditions around along the borders, there is um, 
a ritual that has been made. And in this ritual, if any military crosses the borders, crosses that boundary, crosses that area where the ritual is made, <laughs> that soldier's testicle is going to swell up and gets very big. And that many came there and crossed that area and their testicles got swollen up and they had to put it in big bags, which is called Saxon models, to be taken back to their camp where they a base which has been created specially for these people so that they can be keep, kept in quarantine, separate from other militaries so that they do not know what is going on with them. Let's listen to what she says again. In Bafut, she said there is just a couple of people that have been delegated by the military to stay there and take care of these people, like provide them food and aid. She said at um, one other village, which is further away from Bafud, which is called Nkambe, the same activity is taking place where medicine is made in the neighborhood and in an area that when the military cross, they have their testicles swollen and there are many victims in that area as well. She was explaining about a situation in the northwest southern Cameroons where villages do no longer practice tradition and medicine the way it ought to be. And she was explaining where is the ritual, where is the judgment, because at first there used to be certain months where people would come up, the king would invite everyone to come up for judgment. And there will be a ruling on what people need to do in the village to keep stability, to understand medicine, and to understand how to protect themselves. There were constant activities in the village that reminded people of their tradition, their medicines, their way of life that sustained them. And he, she explained that they used to put medicine on the middle of squares. In every square, they would put medicine and people would come and cross so that they get healed. And those that had evil spirits they will either repent or they will die. And that's why it came about that in Bafut and in Kambe and some other places, they are using that tradition to fight their wars. And she was questioning, what happened to it? What happened that we don't understand our tradition anymore? What happened that we don't understand our ways of life anymore? What happened that we are mixing it with modern spirituality that we don't understand? And these people in these places who respect their tradition and their villages and their ways of life, they are using this tradition to fight these wars now. And that's what I have been saying for some time, that we have all kinds of weapons, especially when we can use energy. The person who uses a gun is very scared of anyone who uses energy. Because energy is energy. You don't know it. No single person controls it. 
and anybody who attacks you when you know how to control energy is really in the hell of trouble. My name is Emmanuel Malo. I am the founder of Ashingna. This is Allah Ashingna. Someone asked me how he could control fear. So I want to take this opportunity to discuss with you how you can take care of fear. Fear is of the devil. It makes you not to be able to do the things you love to do or you want to do. When you conquer fear, you can do many things with your life. And you can grow exponentially. But the society we live in lives in fear and also impose fear in the lives of others. But you can overcome fear. You can conquer fear. You can dominate fear. You can convert fear into usable energy. You need to train. You need to be aware and be alert to be able to dominate fear. Because fear is false perception and false expectation. We expect that something will happen in a particular way or will not happen in the way we perceive. And so we develop a weakness that takes us away from focus, from concentration, from happiness, from joy, and from being in the moment. When we conquer fear, we will not live life by chance. We will pursue life according to our own plans. We will determine and dictate how we want things to be. And we will know and understand when they will be and wait and be patient until the moment when it happens. To conquer fear means to find yourself. It means to find truth from falsehood. It means understanding truth from falsehood and making sure that we are constantly being reminded of what is true and what is false and knowing it. Fear is developed through weak perception and false thinking. When we have assurance, we don't have fear. And assurance is not based by what surrounds us. It's based on what comes from within. When we understand what is from within, then what comes from outside can easily be taken care of. When we don't understand what is from within, 
we cannot understand what is from without. And therefore, fear grips us because we are uncertain. We need to know ourselves for fear to disappear. You need to know yourself for fear to disappear. Because when you know yourself, you know the path you are walking upon and you are being guided on what to do and you have assurance because you know yourself. When you do not know yourself, you don't know the path you are walking, you are guessing. And when you do guesswork in life, fear grips you because there is uncertainty. It's the same that happens in war. In war, when you are certain about what you are doing, there is no fear because you have an understanding of yourself, your environment, your territory, and what you are doing. When you don't know what you are doing, fear grips you because you are not prepared. So, for you to take away fear, you have to be prepared. You have to prepare your mind. Your mind has to be flexible and strong. It has to be energetic. You have to prepare your spirit. Your spirit should be flexible and capable of changing. And then you have to prepare your body. Your body has to be solid, strong, apt, flexible, to be able to take in the energy that comes from the mind and the spirit. If you can understand this thoroughly and practice how to keep the three strong and functional, fear will disappear from your life because you have assurance of the universe you live in. That is the simplest way I can explain to you how to conquer fear. Now, how do you achieve these things? It's through mental and psychological exercises with your mind and your brain. It's through exercising your spirit and your mind and it's through dealing with your physical body giving it strength and energy feeding it with energy so that it can survive and stay strong and serve the mind and the spirit this takes all kinds of practices mental physical moral psychological you name it and you cannot be practicing these things and being scattered. It means you have to organize yourself and you have to plan to do it and make sure you progressively perform that duty. When you do this, fear will disappear. Fear comes because you feel weak. You feel the lack of something. And then fear grips you. Something is about to happen and you feel the lack of energy to confront it. So you fear that the thing will overtake you. And that's weakness. You are weak. You feel weakness and fear is what shows that you are feeling weak. 
But when you have assurance, when you are confident of yourself and your life and your processes, and you are convinced that what you are doing is righteous, is right, and if it is in accordance with cosmic law, then you will not be fearful, even if the result is negative or positive. So it appeals to, to when you are in a conflict environment. Strengthen your body, waken the mind and the spirit, awaken it through mindfulness, through meditation, through thinking, through calmness, through peace, through breathing. Control your breath and slow down your activities in particular moments to listen to yourself. Sit, stand, lean, relax, and relax your body until it is totally relaxed. Follow the instructions that I give on all those things. When we engage in such activity, we are bringing life to our body. We are bringing balance to our body. And balance sends fear away. Balance will pursue fear and put it far away from you and bring courage, bring resilience, bring strength, bring focus, bring understanding and make you live your life fully because you will develop joy, peace, harmony, balance in your life. Whether you are in a conflict environment or not, focus, concentrate on your life deep inside of you before you go out and do anything in the morning. And when you come back at night, do the same. Follow my instructions slowly. You will be a mighty one to be reckoned with. I decree a good thing upon your life so that the rest of your days be blessed. Please share this with those who are warriors.